sifting. The process of grading, refining and removing what is not required. Without sifting, we can end up with an imperfect or completely failed result. What we may not realize is God does the same. As we go through life, he selects, he shakes, sometimes allowing suffering or leaving us in what feels like complete silence. It is up to us to recognize this sifting and allow the work of his hand to bring joy through the process. I pray we may learn to recognize, respond and rejoice in what it means to be sifted. It is wonderful to be here with you this morning, and um, it's a, as Jasmine said before, first day of May, and or um, well, first Sunday of May, not the first day, yesterday was the first day. I just want to say thank you for being a wonderful church family. We've been in this series now, this is the third week, we're into this sifted series, and we, it's only four, next week will be the last week of the series. And we've looked at some ways in which God has and is perhaps sifting us. And today's message, I think, may be perhaps the most personal and the most difficult in some ways for me, and I'm sure it will be for some of you as well. Because we're talking about, excuse me, suffering. And no one, to my knowledge, likes suffering. Unless you have some distorted head that likes to inflict suffering on other people, but we don't like it for ourselves. And I think it would be fair to say that for all of us, we do everything that we can to avoid suffering at any cost, potentially. And as we look at this week, week three of this series, we're going to look at how God uses and used in the past as well, but uses in the present suffering as a means to get us ready for the difficulties that, and and not even just difficulties, but get us ready for the things in life that he has in store for us. Suffering is not like the big punishment necessarily. The reality is that suffering is a normal part of life and we cannot avoid it at some point in our life. No matter who you are, you are going to experience some form of suffering throughout your life. Sifting is a form of suffering or sifting can be, suffering can be a way that God sifts us. Let's put it that way. And God says through his prophet Isaiah, he says, I have refined you But not as silver is refined, rather I have refined you in the furnace of suffering. I have sifted you, I am fine-tuning you in the furnace of suffering. And the very thing that God uses to refine us is the very thing that most of us try and avoid. Doesn't that sound a little crazy at times? And yet it's the very place that we may be able to learn the more spiritual concepts and principles and life ways than any other way that God has for us. I feel like today is a day where we're, we're thinking about the, the idea of suffering, that we, but we want to avoid suffering, but we do want to grow, but we don't want to suffer in the process. But in order to grow, we need to suffer. It's the same concept as we all want to get to heaven, but we don't want to die. But in order to get to heaven, we need to die. But I don't want to die, but I do want to go to heaven. It's suffering in a nutshell. If we want to grow spiritually, I believe that suffering can be a very fast track to where spiritual spiritual maturity that God wants us to have. So... The first thing that I want to share with you today is this, that sifting perfects us. It doesn't matter what kind of suffering we go through, the outcome 
of our suffering will depend upon the relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father. If our relationship with our Heavenly Father is weak, then the, our evaluation of suffering or our ideas of why we're suffering will be centered on self. Oh, God's punishing me. Or I, I didn't deserve that. Or those sorts of things come into our head. If our, if our faith in our Heavenly Father is weak, our evaluation of suffering will be on self. On the other hand, if our evaluation of our suffering or if our relationship with God is strong then the suffering that we have or the reason for that will be centered upon God. And that's the point that we need to get to. It's not always easy. In fact, I would say it's never easy. But it's when we can recognize that our suffering is not about selfishness and self, but we recognize that it's it's. God's desire that we, we go through this, and we'll talk about this in just a minute. But the history of the scriptures and the history of our culture has been that God has always brought suffering and pain and even disasters into the lives of people in order to draw them into a place where they would repent and turn back to him. He has used suffering as a means of stopping us in our track from what we're doing wrong, potentially, not always, and drawing us into a deeper relationship with him. That's not to say, though, that every disaster, every form of suffering is about an individual. And disasters come on the godly and the ungodly. We talked about that last week. You, it's just something that we need to recognize, that we are going to all experience the sifting process in some ways, in some times. But I am confident that God's desired outcome in all of this is that we would repent and turn back to him. That's all he's wanting from that part of it. He wants a deeper, more intimate love relationship with us that's real, that's personal, and that impacts the community in which we live. And as his children then, he constantly is in the business of refining us, just as you parents are constantly in the process of raising your children to be well-balanced, well-equipped adults as they grow up. You want them to experience hardship, but you don't want them to, to be so put under hardship that they just give up. It's a balancing act. And God does that with us. He, he never allows things into our life that are too hard for us or too difficult for us, so long as we keep our eyes fixed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, so long as we keep our relationship with our Heavenly Father right and proper. He constantly refines us and he sifts out things from our, from our lives that are not good for us. And the struggle that you and I have in this process that God does for us is our lack of willingness to let go of things. Because we don't like to let go of things that we've worked hard to get, even if they're not good for us. Sometimes it's to do with stubbornness. Other times, it's just straight out disobedience. Other times, though, things that we've allowed into our life can have such a hold on us that we might even question whether God is even in this situation at all. But the good news is the more that we draw into the Lord Jesus Christ, the more that we will find peace in the decisions that we make because our thoughts will become more aligned with his. Our ways will become more aligned with his. Our sifting that God is doing in us through allowing suffering into our lives is a way that God will sort out what is good from what is best. And we talked about that during the week. Black and white issues 
are relatively easy to make decisions on. You know whether you should kill somebody or not. Depends if they, how much they've done badly to you, right? No. You know it's not right to kill somebody. That's not, a, that's not even a decision you have to come to or, or think through. You know it's not right. Black and white. Even though we might not like making those black and white decisions sometimes, we know what we should be doing, and that's easy. But it becomes much more difficult and harder to choose between what's good and what's best. And God wants us to choose what's best. He wants what's best for us. And so the sifting begins. When we have to choose between what's really, really good and what's actually even better, the, the, the line gets a little grey and blurry. But that's exactly what God does. You might be doing some wonderful things. You might be an extremely good person. But there are things that God wants to shift from good into best. And God always wants what's best for us. And it refines us as we go through these processes. It, it sometimes even changes the way that we think about things. It begins to perfect us into being the children that God wants us to be. It, it only can happen, though, that is if we draw into the presence of God, if we draw into God himself in our times of need, as well as building on the relationship when those times of need are not so severe. And you know, we, we can question why people get terminal diseases. This week, I was part, we were watching and being part of the, the uh, funeral service for a good friend. Many of you know Jenny Beer, and I had Jenny in our youth group, and I knew her as a 10-year-old. She died this Last couple of well, week, eight, last week, her funeral was Friday. Forty-four. Doesn't make any sense. And yet the funeral was a celebration because she knew her Lord. She knew the Lord. Troy and Jenny have been here a couple of times. They've worshipped with us. And we question why people die early. Or they get killed in a car accident in some way. Or even as a young child, they die. Why do, why do children die? Why do we lose our children when it's not right that parents should have to bury their children? Even though at times these people are clearly people who love the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've heard people say it's because we don't have enough faith. It's, not, it's because you didn't have enough faith or others didn't pray for you. You didn't get the right kind of prayer. You needed to have this. But that doesn't even make sense. But we need to learn to lean into the Lord Jesus Christ and trust that even though we might go through times of suffering, he knows best. He always knows best. And he will only ever do what is right. And this is not a new problem. This is not something that's been thrust onto our community or our culture or our, our time at all. The prophet Isaiah is quoted as saying this, Good people pass away, he says. And the godly often die before their time. But no one seems to care or wonder why. No one, he says, seems to understand that God is protecting them from the evil to come. That puts a different light on things. What if God is actually protecting us in bringing these things into our life or those of our family? Sometimes it's just that. We won't understand it because we don't know what the future holds. But God does. God is protecting them, but we're left with an ache in our heart because we mourn the loss. 
and we don't understand. Feeling like it's unfair, questioning God's ways along the way. But it all makes a little bit more sense if we understand that God's desire is for perfection and his desire is us, for us to be refined along the way and our refining, our, our purifying process that he is putting us through begins by trusting God even when it does not make sense. Sifting prepares us or protects us is the second one, sorry. Sifting protects us. And just like a father wants to protect his family, God's desire is to protect his children. There's no question in my mind about that. And that happens a number of ways. But one of the most effective ways of protecting your children is not by telling them no. A little bit of a double negative. Did you get it? One of the most effective ways of protecting young children is not by telling them no. It seems like the more no's that we use in our communication with young people, the more determined they are to do what you said no to. And that's not just with young people. Old people are very stubborn at times as well. You're not allowed to do that. Well, why not? Let's see why not. But the more no's that we throw into a conversation, the more determined it seems that we, we want to rebel against that. It's called a lack of understanding in young children. It's called stubbornness and hard-hearted in older people. Because young children with an inquisitive mind will try and do, well, why wouldn't my dad or mum let me do that? I'll reach out and touch that hot stove because she said no. And then we, we question, why would you do that? But rather than saying no, one of the best forms of protection that we can have for our young people is to rather than say no, remove the problem in the first place so it's not even there. We can't always do that, by the way, but we remove the problem. And if you're a grandparent, I am confident that every one of you has done this. As your young grandchildren grow up, the more important things get put higher and higher. So it becomes more child-friendly, or you put them away altogether. Because removing the problem is far better than keep on saying no, 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 no. We remove the problem from them so that it doesn't even become a problem to them until they learn that they can climb. Then we have another problem. But the process from it is that we remove the problem from the people or from the children. And I know that happens in our place. And God does the same thing for us. There are times when he actually removes the problem for us that we have, even though we don't even know it's a problem yet. In Isaiah 30 says this, Look, the Lord is coming from afar, burning with anger, surrounded by thick rising smoke. His lips are filled with fury. His words consume like fire. His hot breath pours out like a flood to the neck of his enemies. He will sift out the proud nations for destruction. He will bridle them and lead them away to ruin. But the people of God will sing a song of joy. Like the songs at the holy festivals, you will be filled with joy. So as when a flutist leads a group of pilgrims <clears throat> to Jerusalem, the mountain of the Lord, to the rock of Israel. Do you see what God said he's going to do? He says, I'm going to sift out the proud for destruction. I'm going to bridle and I'm going to lead them away by the nose and lead them into ruin. I'm going to sift out the problem before you even get there, it's, they're gone. And what God has just said is that the sifting process is not just about our refining, but it's about judgment as well. There are two sides to this sieve. And 
it depends on whether, how you sieve. My sieve is gone. But these, the sieve, if we have that sitting here, when you sift through stuff, you'll keep some things in the top, the other things will through, fall through to the bottom. You can be in either of those and be in a good position, by the way. Because God will sift out the things that will drop through, perhaps. He will keep, the th- you can be in the top or the bottom. And God says here that he is, the sifting is going to remove things that are going to be harmful or are going to be a problem into our future. And God continually told the Israelites that they were not to join themselves with the other nations around them. Because they would become like them, they would deny him, they would follow their gods, they would worship their gods. And the reason they were allowed to inhabit the nations that they did, even though there was a whole heap of things that were wrong with the nations that they were going into, was that God sifted them out for them. He went before them in the battles. He went before them in other ways. He he was the one that instigated all those things that they needed to do to sift out the other nations so that the nation or the area, the land, could be purified. God removed seven nations that inhabited the promised land because they were unfaithful and disobedient, even though the Canaanites were one of those groups. The Canaanites were a relative of the Israelites. Did you know that? You should. That's not a... That's not a smack on the hand, that's just, it, it should be something we know. Remember Noah? Noah's ark, Noah? He had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The Canaanites were descendants of Ham. Abraham was a descendant of Shem. They were distant cousins, but God said, get rid of them. We need to take them out of the land because they're making it impure. And what was the root cause of God needing to sift them out? Their pride. And so God removes the problem from them. And as God sifts out the pride for destruction and he leaves the people to sing for joy, God's people to sing for joy because they are living and working and moving into a land that has been freed, that has been purified. <clears throat> Excuse me. God protects us by sifting out those things that in our life that may or will become harmful to us. And while God does allow us to go through difficulties, he allows us to go through suffering and he allows us to get to struggle in things. He does so, so that we can become more stronger, that we can become stronger emotionally, we can become stronger psychologically, we can become stronger spiritually. Because when we are able to endure to the end, we talked about endurance last week, when we're about to endure to the end, we will come out the other end with our character not just intact, but strengthened, more Christ-like. Suffering is a way that God does that. He does so that we can become stronger. The problem is that we are often so reluctant for us to go through suffering, And we're reluctant to let go of the things that God is wanting us to do and let go and let God do what he needs to do. And while ever we remain reluctant, we miss out on the blessing of being able to sing for joy. He's removing the evil nations for destruction, to be harnessed and bridled and led away for destruction. But those who trust in him will sing for joy. And while ever we refuse to let go of the things that God is wanting us to let go of. We, we are denying ourselves the blessing that God wants to bestow upon us. And that's why when God sifts out the harmful things in our life, it's, it's always better. It's always better. And since 
it is for the better, it ought to be something that we would want to allow him to do in our life. And so we can then say with confidence that I can rejoice in my suffering, which Paul was so often able to do. Because I know that when I come through it, that God is with me and he is strengthening me. And the third thing I want to share with you is sifting prepares us. Sifting prepares us. Back in week one, I read a passage of scripture that is probably familiar to you. And when I said I was going to do a series on sifted, many of you said, oh, that's, that would be about when Peter was told by Jesus that Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. That's the verse I want to read to you again. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I've pleaded with you in prayer, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned back to me again, and to, we want you, I want you to strengthen your brothers, he says. Strengthen them. This happened right before Jesus was arrested and sentenced to death. This happened right at the end of Jesus' ministry. And the interesting thing about this conversation is that it's clear that God allowed the sifting to take place in Simon Peter. He, he allowed it to happen. How can we know that God allowed it to happen? Because it tells us that it happened. Satan has asked to sift you, all of you, like wheat, Jesus says to Peter and the disciples. Satan had to ask because Simon Peter and the disciples belonged to Jesus. He had no authority, no right to do anything to them because they were God's people. And so Satan had to come and ask permission to do this. He had no authority and God lets him. How can we know that? Because Again, the scriptures tell us. Because Jesus says, when you have repented, Peter, when you have repented. If God had not allowed the sifting to take place, that word when would not have been there. It would have been if. But when you have repented. So Satan has asked us to sift you like wheat. And God has said, yes, so when you have repented from all that you're going to go through, I want you to strengthen your brothers. So we know that not only does God allow suffering, but only God can allow suffering of those of his people, but also that we are able to recognize that suffering is something that we can expect even as Christ's people, even as God's people. And he says to Simon, when you have repented, then I have a job for you. If, if God had said no to Satan's request, Peter would have had no reason to repent. Because he wouldn't have done anything wrong. But because he needed to repent, gives us a very clear indication that God said yes. And Simon would not have been prepared then had he not been allowed to go through that suffering. Had God not said yes to the suffering, then Peter would not have been prepared emotionally. He would not have been prepared spiritually or mentally perhaps to strengthen his brothers in light of what was about to take place. And he had no idea of that at that point in time. And I know that because Peter's response is, don't worry about it, Jesus. I'm prepared to go die with you. I'll do it. No, you won't, Peter. Before the cock even crows three times, you'll deny me. Or if the cock crows, you'll deny me three times. He had no clue what he was talking about. He had no idea of the future, but Jesus did. And he said, Satan has asked to, to sift you all. But the sifting of process is allowed so that Peter, for you specifically, Peter, 
might be prepared for the things yet to come. And I think we miss that possibility when we're going through difficult times. I do. I think sometimes when I'm going through struggles that I think, you know what, someone says to me, oh, maybe God's preparing you. Well, I don't want it to get any worse than this. I I don't like what I've got. But the key to this is that we keep our eyes fixed upon the Lord Jesus Christ because he will not allow it to happen to you. Because Satan has asked to sift you and God has said, yes, he knows that if you keep your eyes fixed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not fail. You'll come out of this much stronger and ready to be able to strengthen your brothers and sisters on the other side of that. So whether it's through a loss of a loved one through or, or some other suffering, you can come out the other end and knowing, you know what? I've been through that. I've experienced that. I know what that's like. And God has blessed me by bringing me through that. Keep your eyes. Strengthen your brothers and sisters. Encourage them. And the reality is that God often sends his servants through a time of being sifted before he's able to even use them effectively for ministry. And he always uses sifting seasons for his glory. Sifting seasons for his glory. They're always to his glory and for our growth. And it it is also for a testimony to others, to our community, when they see how God has worked in us and through us and with us. And as I said earlier, the sifting process is a form of refinement for us. And God's purpose is that we will all be ready to do his will. And there are plenty of examples of that in scripture. I'm not going to go through all of them. But the one perhaps that stands out very clearly to most of you and certainly to me is is that of Job. Where the exact same thing took place. We read it in Job 1. Satan comes to God and says, I want to test Job. And this is what God says, all right, you can test him. The Lord said to Satan, do whatever you want with him, with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left off and he did just that. He destroyed everything that he had. He took away everything that he had physically, including his children. And at the end of that, Job stands before his God. And says, into this world I came with nothing and I leave with nothing. To God be the glory because he is in all and through all things. And in all of this, the scriptures say, say, Job did not sin. So what does Satan do? He goes back to God. He says, hey, God, let me test him. Let me test him again because you've got this hedge of protection around him. And you won't let me hurt him physically. Let me add him again. So Job 2, it says this, all right, do with him as you please. The Lord said, but spare his life. Now he can hurt him physically, but he's not allowed to kill him. Here's the thing. God was protecting Job in this suffering. Did Job know that God was protecting him? Absolutely not. You read the next 40 chapters of Job and you do not not find one place where where Job says, oh, God's just protecting me. Not one. But God had a bigger job or a bigger need or a bigger reason for doing this in Job. And Satan could do nothing to protect him except, or sorry, do nothing to Job except what God allowed him to do. And that would go the same for you and I. There are times when God does allow us to be sifted like wheat. And if you're in a season of sifting at present, rejoice because God has already set the limits on the suffering that you are enduring. He is not going to allow you. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 reminds us that there will be times when Satan tempts us in your temptation. There is no temptation that is common to man where we are going to find ourselves unable to be tempted but when we are tempted that we are to God will provide a way out when we keep our eyes fixed upon him 
There are going to be times when Satan is going to try and drag us away from God. There are going to be times when Satan is going to try and accuse you and I before God. There are going to be times when Satan is going to try and accuse you and I before ourselves. Because we're no good. We're not good enough. We're not smart enough. We've had a tough upbringing. Not whatever enough. And Satan accuses us. Don't believe the lie. Because when suffering comes, know with 100% assurance that there is a limit on the suffering that God has allowed for you and it's for a reason. And if you think that you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptations to be more than what you can stand. And when you are tempted, when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you are able to endure it. The other example that I'll just briefly touch on is that is given to us in Scripture is the process of Jesus, the sifting of Jesus Christ. Matthew 4, Jesus, sorry, Matthew 4, 1 says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. The height of him, the height of the devil to think that he could and be audacious enough to think that he could sift the Son of God and tempt him away from God's plan. Yet that's exactly what he tries. But this verse doesn't tell us that Satan led him into the wilderness. It tells us that the Spirit led him into the wilderness God allowed it to happen in Jesus. It had nothing to do with getting wrong out of Jesus' life. It had nothing to do with the fact that Jesus had done anything at all wrong and there was evil in him that needed to be sifted out. There was nothing to do with that. But God still allowed the sifting process to happen. He led him into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. And we know that Jesus was able to stand up against the temptations through the word of God but God allowed him to stay there until the sifting process was completed. And here's the thing. Just because you and I are being sifted does not mean that we've done something wrong. Or that we're out of God's will. Jesus was not out of God's will. The sifting process isn't always about correction. God led Jesus into the wilderness to be tested and he was already full of the Holy Spirit. That had happened just prior to that. The, the Spirit came in the form of a dove upon him on his baptism and immediately then he, the Spirit led him into the wilderness. Our sifting may not have anything to do with a problem in our life. It may simply be that we are being prepared for the work that God has in store for us into the future at some point. Paul tells us in Ephesians, he says, we are God's masterpiece. We, he created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the things he planned for us long ago. God is preparing us constantly to do the things that he's prepared for us to do. And so that we are prepared for this work that he has for us to do, he prepares us. He sifts us. He gives us everything that we need in order to overcome the temptations that will come. And we call it or we see it as suffering or this sifting process. Knowing God's word is the key to standing our ground when the enemy tries to shake us. I said last week that faith is the key. And it is as well. It's the foundation stone. It's the foundation block on which we, everything else needs to be added. Our faith. 
is the, is the foundation. But our understanding or knowing God's word is key if we are to even strengthen our faith in anything. It's a sifting process through suffering that brings us into a deeper understanding of God's will for our life. But often our response is in this sifting is to tough it out. As, as human beings, we tough it out. She'll be right. See, Australian culture, nature. Oh, how you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Everything's good. We'll, we're getting through this. She'll be right. I can do it on my own. I, I can make it. I know I can beat it. Just got to try a bit harder. They're common expressions that I'm sure every one of you has used. Our natural inclination is to try harder, to dig a little deeper, to try longer. And, and the more that we do that, the more that we try and do that, the harder our hearts become to being moulded by God to do the things that he wants us to do. The longer we hold out on relinquishing our will into the hands of God, the more Satan gets a hold of it. And God sometimes allows sifting through suffering so that when we do come through it, because we, because we will, if we keep our eyes on him, we will know him better, we will be able to worship him with more clarity, with more determination, we'll be able to handle those situations better the next time because we know that God is able to do exceedingly immeasurably more than we could ever ask for or imagine. And along with that, we probably will have the opportunity of being able to strengthen our brothers and sisters in the process. What a wonderful opportunity to be able to help someone through some of the things that you've been through. It's likely that you can't help some people avoid some things. We just are human nature. It's our human nature. But the sifting process may well be a preparation time for the work that God has in store for you into the future. Listen to him. Embrace it. Give thanks to him. And while we might not like it, God is in control. And the sooner that we learn to let go of God or let go and let God, the faster we will grow in our spiritual maturity. And that has very little to do with age. So whether you're 10, 30, 50, 150, or feel like it, spiritual maturity has nothing to do with your age. It has everything to do with, with our heart and our willingness to let go and let God. So this morning, I want us to examine our hearts. We sang the song before, Purify My Heart, Lord. Let me be as gold, pure gold. Ask him to show you any stubbornness or any hardness that, that might be preventing you from becoming victorious in the sifting that God is allowing or has allowed you to go through. It may be that you're just not getting what you expected at the moment. You have plans for your life, but they're just being eroded away bit by bit. And if you're thinking, even right now, if I just work a bit harder, just focus a little bit more, I'll be right. Trust God with this. He might be preventing you from being victorious in some things that are going to be harmful to you. Recognize that God allows you to go through suffering. He's not mean and not evil. He's not trying to punish you in some way. He allows it to happen, but he also provides us with a way through it. And that is that we need to trust the Lord Jesus Christ. So whatever it is that God is showing you at the moment, whether you're a young person or you're a family person or you're a seniors person or whatever category demographic you want to put yourselves into, 
he will provide a way of escape. And if you're going through this suffering at present, learn the lessons that God is trying to teach you. If you're being sifted, shaken, or tempted to, to give up, to hold on to your own thinking, let go of that and hold on to him. Stay close and cling to Jesus Christ. He knows your future. Every year, about this time of year, I, I have the same or similar conversations with generally grade 12s or grade 12 parents. Having concerns about our children and our future, how hard it is to get everything done, the ex expectations of our world. I, I say the same thing every, every year. Just trust the Lord. Keep your eyes fixed upon him. Don't worry about your plans. Let God's plans be your plans. And be faithful to that. And he is always faithful. Stay close to him. Pray about everything. Pray about anything, but pray specifically. 1, Corinthians, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 tells us to pray for all things or pray in all, all, pray in all times. Thessalonians says, Ephesians 5 says, pray for all things. Don't allow your sifting to cut off the communication that you have with the Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing that Satan hopes for is that we will stop talking with our Heavenly Father. Because he knows that if we stop talking, we stop this communication, we'll stop hearing and we'll stop doing. He wants to shut you down. So don't give him the foothold by not praying, by not keeping your eyes on him. Maybe though you're not experiencing a sifting process at the moment. Maybe you're just riding the crest of the wave and things are going really well for you. You know what suffering is, but right now God has just been blessing you and your family. Things are going so well. Perhaps things are going so well, in fact. I want you to do something else. I want you to pray for those who are being sifted specifically. Because Satan wants us to feel isolated. So in the sifting process, he's trying to isolate people. He's trying to take people away. So we need to be praying for the, our, our family, our, our Christ-given family, that we can not be isolated. He wants, Satan wants us to be alone. God wants to bring us together. So we need to reach out to others. We need to be praying specifically for people in our church and in our community. We need to recognize that we're not the only ones being sifted or not. There are, we are all going through difficulties at some point. Reject the lie that says, oh, you're in this on your own, that God doesn't care. And remember that sifting of any kind is meant to be a strengthening process. And while Satan will use them to separate us from our faith, God will use them to separate us from our fear. Satan will use those sifting processes to separate us from our faith. God will use them to separate us from our fear. And he uses them to strengthen us, to refine us, and to purify us. So being sifted through suffering may feel very ordinary from time to time, but rejoice in your times of trials. Celebrate because God is at work. Rejoice that, that Satan even thinks you're worthy of being sifted as wheat. And know this, that God is in control. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your grace and love. And despite what things we might be going through at this moment in time, I know that you love us and that you only do what is necessary for us to be strengthened, to grow spiritually, to be prepared in a way that we might be able to be of benefit to others. And I know you're doing work in our church family, Father. 
not just in, in the building but, but online and, and right around this country and even beyond the boundaries of our country. I know you're at work. And I pray that your people might stand, be strong, be bold and courageous. Father, I pray that this, this group of people that's part of this service might experience the presence of your Holy Spirit to guide them, to direct them, to encourage them, to pray for our families that we know don't love you or don't even know you and perhaps don't even want to at this moment. But we pray, Father, we've all got them. People that are close to us that we desperately want to see in the kingdom of heaven. Help us to be strong, Father, and faithful despite the suffering that might be coming upon us at this moment in time. And I pray, Father, for those who are, who are spiritually strong and, and courageous at this moment that we'll have the courage to pray for others, to not lose sight of what's happening, to think that we've made it and we can do what we want, but we, can, we have a responsibility, Father, to encourage one another, to pray for one another, one another all the more as we see the day of the Lord approaching. And I thank you, Father, that you have given us your word. That we can hold tightly to that, to know that and understand that and be prepared through that. That we are without excuse. We see the glory of God displayed all around us, day in, day out. And yet, Father, we still doubt. Forgive us, Father. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you.